0: terms and conditions apply AT&T connects an ode to podcasts connect the alarm change the podcast you stream connect the snooze 10 more minutes to dream connect the shower lather up with the news sports talk comedians or movie reviews connect with that 3 hour philosophy show
2: My friend Josh Applebaum, of course, we've been doing these lessons for some time. If this is your first time visiting us, Josh is up in the Boston area. And I saw a prop bet for the Everything Guide, Josh. Over or under four and a half number of mentions of Boston sports teams on this lesson in the Everything Guide. Do you go with the over or the under?
3: Oh man, I think you know what, Ron. I'm a contrarian. Better, I think you would think on the surface it's got to go over, but maybe I'll maybe I'll flip it. Maybe some sharp money's on the under. You, you can't go wrong with a, with the contrarian under here. I'll try to limit my my Boston and Dunkin' Donuts references.
2: Oh, and Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. Well, there you go. By the way, over or under two dozen donuts that Josh will have coming to him before we get very far into the everything guide.
3: Oh, we're going over with that one, baby. We're going over.
2: Ron Flatter with the aforementioned Josh Applebaum. Donuts in hand, donuts in mouth, donuts wherever you are. Josh, don't talk with your mouth full. This is a lesson now. We're, we're rolling and recording. Are you, are, you, are you sufficiently satiated with your appetite?
3: I'm ready. I'm ready to go, Ron. And yeah, we're going to talk today about prop bets. What is a prop, prop bet? Bets. Yeah, you hear yeah. a lot about so, it, Ron. What is it?
2: I was just going to say here, prop bets really have become so popular. We've heard about them, especially around the Super Bowl And you see all these fun things about will Team A in the Super Bowl score more points than LeBron James in a basketball game the same day, things like that. But prop bets are no longer limited to the first Sunday in February.
3: That's so true, Ron. And they've really exploded. And uh, we'll get to it in a little bit, you know, talking about kind of the certain times of year where prop betting just absolutely explodes. And the Super Bowl is the number one time of year where you just see a massive influx of Casual bettors that are just entertained, and just you know, you kind of think of prop betting as a fun way uh, to make watching the Super Bowl or a big event uh, that much more entertaining. But really, they're available all year round, they're getting bigger and bigger each year. And really, what we're gonna do, to, uh, gonna do today is kind of talk strategies and talk, um, kind of pull back the curtain in terms of uh, how are you know, best times of year to bet props best prop situations to target, where is smart money, how to identify smart money on a prop bet. So a lot to get to today, Ron, and I'm uh, looking forward to it.
2: It occurs to me, Josh, that the sharp money in prop bets could come from daily fantasy players because we see so much of individual statistics being built into prop bets. Is that true? That is so true, Ron. Yeah, you know, we got to give uh, our DFS guys a lot of credit because
3: daily fantasy sports, you know, you really saw it get popularized you know, kind of 2010s, early 2010s up to 2015. And once you saw uh, kind of the stigma of betting kind of disappear once DraftKings FanDuel daily fantasy betters uh, took the stigma away, helped to legalize sports betting. But what's cool with prop betting is that, you know, we know, okay, what is a prop? It, a prop, a bet is short for a propositional bet. You know, we kind of just say props for short. That's kind of the term you'll hear in terms of vernacular. But it's also known as kind of an exotic bet. And what it is is, um, basically, it's any kind of bet that is outside of the conventional spread, money line, or over under that isn't tied to the outcome of the game and the final score. So, uh, kind of what you're doing is you're trying to identify specific matchups or situations where either you're betting on a player, uh, and it makes it fun because it's a different way to bet on a game. You know, mm-hmm. you may not like the spread or the total or the money line, but you say, man, I really like Aaron Rodgers over passing yards, you know, 325 and a half, because You know, he's been hot. He's playing a bad, porous, worst pass defense in the league, the Detroit Lions, whoever it may be. Um, But again, we really got to give credit to the DFS community because uh, betting on players is something they popularize because obviously you're setting a lineup. When you're playing daily fantasy, you're trying to have uh, most points scored in your lineup compared to all the other betters you're competing against. But that really got it started with betting on players. So we'll talk player props today. We'll Mm -hmm. also talk just, you know, novelty. Uh, entertainment props overall but uh, again our DFS guys really got the ball rolling with individual player props
2: and long before DFS prop bets were around maybe not in the numbers they are now but we talked about the Super Bowl and if you really think about it if you go back 35 40 years depending on when you're hearing this it was around that time when prop bets really germinated right
3: yeah this is true Ron and I was funny because uh I was born in 87. I remember my dad, uh, ball went through Buckner, a little roller up around first, gets through Buckner's legs.
2: (laughs) Behind the Uh, bag. My mom was pregnant. Here comes
3: night. (laughs) My dad, uh, tortured Red Sox fan. Uh, We broke the curse, you know, uh, a bunch of years later. But um, yeah, in that (laughs) 1986 Super Bowl, this uh, was kind of just uh, researching for my book, The Everything Guide to Sports Betting, just props in general. In the 80s, prop bets really kind of, uh, got big during the Super Bowl because bettors, uh, you know, odds makers, especially at the Westgate, MGM, they wanted to offer uh, more bets for uh, casual bettors to take advantage of. And this is a crazy story, Ron. I'm going to ask you, where were you when the refrigerator, uh, Perry, scored that touchdown? And do you know the backstory behind that prop bet with the fridge scoring?
2: Well, yeah, I, I mean, and of course there's the whole thing about Walter Payton never having scored a touchdown in a Super Bowl, and there was the anger about that because the fridge did. And so I was in Oroville, California, watching the game. Uh, actually, it's the only Super Bowl I've, I've been either been to or watched every Super Bowl except Super Bowl one. And I was alive, but just hadn't, didn't watch it. And that Super Bowl, I actually fell asleep during the game. Now, the way the game went, you, could, you wouldn't blame me. So I don't know that I actually saw the Fridge score that live.
3: Well, what's crazy, Ron, is, uh, you know, and it's funny, too, how things work out because Jimmy Vaccaro uh, was working with the MGM at that time. And now he's obviously uh, our prize and esteemed odds maker at the South Point. But Mm -hmm. um, Jimmy Vaccaro, back in the day, 1986, they're starting to, uh, again, you got to remember, prop bets were nothing before this time, unheard of, basically. You could only bet, spread, money line over under. What they did was they put up a prop bet, Will the Fridge. Uh, score a touchdown in the game, and it opened at fifty to one, massive payout. If you want to take a shot in it, and it got hit so hard by a lot of just recreational betters for fun. Wouldn't it be crazy if he scored? The you know the fridge had been used as a fullback, you know, throughout the season, and it got hit so hard. Open fifty to one, got down to eight to one. And Jimmy Vaccaro said uh, he kind of went nuts when the fridge scored and just kind of threw his hands up in the air because uh, the MGM on that one play, Ron. Lost $50,000 with everyone betting on the fridge to score. A lot of them getting insane closing line value if they got a 50 to 1, 40 to 1, 30 to 1. And then really since that time, props have just exploded and really just odds mm. makers across the market, uh, in Vegas, you know, the global market, so many different props. And it kind of seems like every year more and more oh. props, anything you can bet on, on the Super Bowl. And um, it's it, just been crazy with more books getting more and more creative through the years. It, it,
2: And there is so much pressure on the bookmakers to actually write new props. I know it's like doing a creative writing assignment, and there's 35 pages of them at places in some shops, and you're you're just wading through them. But as a better, okay. So we get it from the bookmaker's point of view. What about from the better's point of view? You can bet on everything, as you mentioned, from player statistics and the comparison between the Super Bowl and other sports and other games to the length of the National Anthem and the coin toss at the beginning of the game.
3: Yeah, it's just incredible. And, uh, you know, one thing we would want to mention to our VEASAN listeners here is that, you know, again, it's all about discipline and identifying value because, you know, Ron, it's crazy. I get to the Super Bowl and, you know, you got that two-week lead up and I'm just so excited about it. Everyone else is, too. And you see so many props every single day, more and more come out. There's hundreds to choose from. So, uh, as a microcosm, kind of the Super Bowl, and just prop betting in general, try not to have a million prop bets all over the place because you can easily fall into a situation where you just see value everywhere you look, and you bet way too many of them. And, you know, you kind of start betting ones that you lean on, and you like, and you're not getting a great number. So, again, it's easy to get undisciplined and bet a ton of them. Just try to, you know, stick to limiting your bets overall. You'd hate to you know, maybe win the Super Bowl spread or the total and then, you know, go two and five with your props and kind of throw it all the way. That that's kind mm-hmm. of the, the worst thing that could happen overall. But yeah, you know, we're talking novelty props, the national anthem, will it go over, you know, two minutes and five seconds, the color of <laughs> right. the Gatorade, the first commercial. We gotta mention too, Ron, you know, uh the especially with prop bets, they're all over the place, but you gotta do a little little research and a little homework to find out where you can get down on these prop bets because um, in Vegas, Ron, isn't it true that you know some Vegas sports books don't allow some of these weird novelty prop bets uh, based on the gaming commission?
2: Yeah, and they are the ones where you could have some argument over what's going on. For instance, I remember seeing one: Would Patrick Mahomes throw a ball left-handed? And then you get down to what well, was it—a throw? Was it a pitch? Was it so? You don't have that opportunity, or you might see. Okay, will he wear something on uh, his—Jim McMahon, will he wear something on his headband was a thing back in the day. You wouldn't see that in Las Vegas. But you do see the coin toss, and that's one—I don't know about (laughs) betting the coin toss. How, How much of a degenerate do you have to be to bet the coin toss? So what's crazy to me,
3: Ron, if you take one uh, lesson from this episode, I hope you take a lot of lessons, but one for sure is in your life, never bet the coin toss. So uh, number one, I think it's a very easy one where uh, number one, you can just, you know, bet it. And immediately before the game even starts, the thought process is I got a 50 50 chance. It's, it can only be heads or tails. Hopefully I win. And right off the bat before the game even starts, you know, I've already cashed a a ticket there. However, you got to remember, and this is, this is just the crazy part about betting. You always got to be, um, you got you got to remember the juice on both sides of the coin flip yes. is minus juice so it might be you know heads minus 105 tails minus 102 or heads minus 107 tails minus 103 and what does that mean it means that you don't have a true 50-50 chance of winning that that coin flip so you know the odds makers they love this coin flip because no matter what they're guaranteed to make money based on the juice Absolutely. that both sides pay so don't ever uh bet the coin flip if you're gonna do it okay you know have fun hope you win bet a low amount but know that right off the bat it is totally uh not in your favor to bet a coin flip when you're laying minus juice on both sides
2: yeah don't shoot the whole pocket full of money or even i mean anything on the coin it's a long long day just you know hold your fire all right so let's give some tips now as far as public versus sharp plays on props and it almost sounds comical to say sharp plays on props. Well, there are. There that are. Is- and so what are some of the tips that you could offer here Josh?
3: Yeah, so I think, you know, obviously any kind of prop that you're going to bet, do your research, do your homework. If you can't identify an edge and again, never bet based on opinion, never bet with your heart. Never say, you know, I'm going to take uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers over a certain amount of yards or touchdowns just because you're a Packers fan. Do it because you like the matchup or you got a good number. But uh in general, a couple things you should always know when you're going into prop betting. Number one, similar to um, public bettors, you know, and again, this gets into that contrarian word, uh, Ron. But similar I've to, heard of that. <laughs> seriously, what's the over-on contrarian in this, this podcast? Yeah, I was just going
2: to say that we should have done that for a prop.
3: <laughs> yeah, we already got a couple now, or at least one. But um, I think the thing here that you got to remember is, you know, public bettors love betting props because they're fun. And as a result, when they're really fun, what do you do? You have that public bias where uh, when you're betting a regular game, you lean, you lean toward favorites home teams mm-hmm. overs same thing mm-hmm. with prop bets a lot of prop bets when you have an over under of you know whoever it may be russell wilson over under you know 299.5 yards there's an innate bias uh and a predisposition for recreational betters to always want to bet the over so what that means is uh, and again why because it's more fun to root for over it's more fun to root for more things than less things and what does this mean it means that Uh, in general just you know generally speaking doesn't mean this is always the case but there are values to betting unders in prop bets so uh, keep that in mind you know you look at also I remember Jimmy Garoppolo in that Super Bowl against the Chiefs you know his passing yards opened up at I think like close to like 240 250 and Sharps just hammered that under and it got way down maybe 15 20 yards when it closed so generally speaking any kind of prop bet that's falling is usually clearly indicative of sharp money. And usually sharps will target these props, hit them early at their highest mark, or what they'll do is kind of wait, knowing that the public will bet the over, and they'll wait out for the public to right. you know, artificially inflate that number, get it up as high as it can go, and then hit that mm-hmm. under at the highest point and try to you know go the other way. But remember, public loves overs when you're betting props. So you should always keep that in mind.
2: What about in terms of other sports beyond the Super Bowl? Like, let's say some of the ones we see early before a baseball season i mean to some degree they linger into baseball season as well but the wins and the losses and the home runs and the batting average and the strikeouts and the saves and things like that
3: yeah i think similar sort of thing around leaning toward overs especially teams that were coming off a really good year uh or players who had a really good year so you know a guy mike trout when he hits 45 homers uh, you know, automatically the public's going to want to take the over, no matter what the number is that the odds maker set for the upcoming season. So, you know, star players, big name teams, leaning towards these overs. And uh, you also get value on taking overs on bad teams and bad players as well, because just like hmm. that buy low, sell high mentality, you're always looking for value. So a lot of those, you know, bad teams or players who had a down year, you always got to remember betting is all about regression in the end. You know, you have a great year. You're probably going to come down a little bit next year. You have a terrible year you know, chances are you might do a little bit better the next year. So it's that buy low, it's that sell high mentality that can really benefit you in betting props.
2: What about in circumstances like the first to do something in a game, the first to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl, the first to score a three-point basket in the NBA Finals, something along those lines in an All-Star game, maybe the first to hit a home run in baseball. How do you look at those where you have plus money on pretty much everybody and every possibility?
3: Yeah, so tons of value there, Ron. I think one that's really gotten popular, especially in a lot of uh, primetime games, you see it like Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, uh, who will be the first touchdown scorer. So oftentimes, you know, the best player on the field will be a favorite, but he could be plus 500, plus 700, plus 800. Um, However, there's going to be a good amount of guys who are in the you know, plus 1,500, plus 2,000 range. So kind of, you know, I know a lot of sharp guys, they'll kind of take a flyer and maybe bet a couple guys who are, you know, plus 1,200, plus 1,800, plus 2,500. And if you can hit one of these, again, you're going to have a huge payout overall. Um, But I think one thing to remember as well, when we're talking about public tenancies and betting props is that the public really, really flocks to plus money props where they can get Mm -hmm. big big payouts so this kind of goes into the parlay conversation you know when you're a recreational better uh you want to make a lot of money quickly you want to become a millionaire overnight uh the truth is that's impossible and uh if only that were the case we all wish it was but uh betting is hard you know you can win if you bet with your head not your heart and you make smart bets and you beat the closing line Uh, and in my opinion you know stay on the sharp side and try to bet against the public but remember that the public will always like these plus money props where they can turn $10 into a 100 or $10 into, you know, $1,500. So I think it's important to kind of flip it the other way uh, and remember that, you know, betting on s- some decent minus numbers, you know, has a lot of value overall. Like I always mm-hmm. think in the Super Bowl, uh, I kind of, I do this every single year, bet no safety and no overtime. You know, it's happened here and there, but most of the time it doesn't happen and if you can get a safety. Uh, you know, usually the, the public public always say yes to a safety or yes to overtime because you're getting plus five. You know, plus a uh, plus five hundred, plus a thousand, plus fifteen hundred. You're saying, sure, I'll put ten bucks on it. and I can you know turn it into a big amount of money. But wise guys love betting that no at you know minus five hundred, minus six hundred. So the public's always going to flock to those plus money payouts. A lot of sharps will be uh, more than willing to bet some of these minus numbers as long as they're not ridiculously minus. Um, and you got to remember, uh, Ron, how do the limits work with props? Can you, I bet a ton of money on props or what's the deal? How do the odds makers work that
2: generally you can't because the props are such a risky proposition as it were, that there are lower limits on props than you will have on the games.
3: Exactly. I think that's what you got to remember too. these low, lower limits. Like, you know, I think the super bowl, they're usually about a thousand at most books, maybe closer to, uh, you know, um, when the, when the game starts to get up to around 2,000 depending on the prop mm-hmm. bet overall. So you can't, you can't imagine that you're going to become a millionaire betting on props. So it's, it's again, uh, it's more yeah. of a, I consider it a supplementary type bet to kind of help pad your bankroll when you can find good options overall. Um, but Ron, did you also know, this one I love too, uh, there are situations where the odds makers will release um, one-sided prop bets where instead of a yes-no option, they only have yes at a certain number, or they only have no right. at a certain number. Right. Does that ever scare you? Because that always scares me.
2: It's something that's illegal in Nevada, for instance. You'll see this in other states around the country. You, in Nevada, the law is you have to have a winning opportunity on every bet. So if you just have a yes and the answer is no and you can't cash on the no, then that means it would be illegal in Nevada. But it does scare me, unless it's one of those things where you're being offered this uh, just as an enticement to come aboard and sign up for a particular app or something like that but generally no I stay away from those I agree with you ron yeah if it's something crazy like an odds boost or a sign up or kind of a right a fun
3: bet to get your foot in the door maybe you get a bonus something like that and again with yes sports betting legalization you're, you're seeing so many more opportunities like that so I agree with you but yeah my rule of thumb is uh I try to never bet one-sided props because to me it raises a red flag immediately you know why is the Why is the book only offering one option? It tells me they're trying to goat me into betting something, even though, um, you know, kind of my chances of winning are are Mm -hmm. minuscule usually in those situations. But um, and that kind of leads to, again, these public situations where public is going to want to lean yes on a lot of these props. Because, you know, again, psychologically, you're more inclined to say yes than no. So a lot of sharps will lean on a lot of no's in general. So exactly, Ron, it's risk reward um but always remembering that you know the public likes overs they like saying yes they want big payouts sharps know that they can go the other way lean on some nos, lean on some unders um and lace decent minus numbers as long as they're not crazy but ron right. there are props too like we saw joe burrow in the nfl draft uh, but yeah let me bring yeah.
2: up let me ask let me ask you that about because that was a whole nother area i want you to jump into The NFL draft, the NBA draft, we see a lot of props here, and I think it's a much more educated process for the public because I think the public pays more attention to that than maybe these will-o'-the-wisp bets on the Super Bowl because you followed college football all season long, you followed college basketball, etc. So what do you look at in terms of the draft, in terms of Sharps versus the public, and in terms of where the money can be made and the best most strategic bets are to be placed?
3: Yeah, so I, obviously everyone loves the Super Bowl and that's the time of year when the most props are available and it's just crazy prop madness. But I personally, and would suggest to a lot of listeners, identify the NFL draft because I've found a lot of success in the NFL draft. I think there's a lot of value there overall. Reading the tea leaves, looking at odds, movement, Uh, one suggestion would be, you know, identify a prop and and see where maybe, uh, you know, players over under where to get drafted, over under, you know, pick five and a half. See where the juice moves. If you can monitor juice movement and see that it's you know five and a half even, and then it gets to five and a half under minus one twenty, under minus one fifty, under minus two hundred. If you can read that juice movement, that's typically going to be sharp money. And again, you don't want to lay a minus two hundred, but if you can kind of catch that uh, before it moves, before the price gets worse, a lot of mm-hmm. value there overall. But we do have to remind our our, uh, our listeners here that you know things that are. Definitely, almost you figure it has to be guaranteed to happen. Really, it seems like easy, easy money, free money, but it's really not worth it in the end. Like again, Joe Burrow, we just uh, mentioned, you know, yeah,
2: Mm -hmm. he
3: he was going to be you know the odds-on number one pick, and he was the number one pick, and you could bet on Joe Burrow to go first overall, and you know everyone knew and thought, and he ended up going first overall, but you had to lay minus ten thousand, minus you know fifteen thousand, these massive, massive numbers, so what you know why is that important it's because even though you think something's bound to happen there's no value to betting it because number one you got to lay a ton to to win it and the prices and the limits are so low that you're really not going to make any money overall and then on the off chance that something crazy happens ron Mm -hmm. boom you're going to lose it all so there's no value to let you know betting those 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 crazy crazy favorites that you think have to happen because there's no guarantee
2: even if you think there is Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, minus 15,000 means you're betting 15,000 to make $100. Really? You really want to do that? And there's a reason they call it bridge jumping. (laughs) Well, let's not do any further bridge jumping. Let's start thinking about uh, on the other side, talking about where you're shopping for props. Oh, you can certainly do that. There's plenty of them out there, especially when you're around big events and so many of them are competing with one another. We'll talk about that. Bargain hunting is next as we continue our lesson in prop bets on the everything guide.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum41, 30 Seconds from Mars. Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
2: It's the Everything Guide to Sports Betting V Sin Podcast with Josh Applebaum, the author of the book by the same name, by the way, Ron Flatter here. So let's shop. Josh, let's shop for numbers. Give us a primer on how to do that with prop bets. Yeah, so
3: props are really, really important in terms of shopping for the best line because when you're betting, you know, kind of just a regular NFL game or NBA game, you may see, you know, the line be, you know, a half point between between one book or another or maybe one point on a total. But usually they're pretty close to the overall market, kind of just the age we live in with the Internet and the global market. It's pretty even. You don't want to be a book that's way off from where everyone else is because you're going to get hit. Pretty hard, but with these prop bets, you can see a huge difference across the market in terms of numbers overall. So we always talk about, no matter where if it's props or regular conventional bet- betting, have multiple outs. Shop for the best line. What does that mean? It means that if you want to succeed long term when you're betting on sports, it's not just about picking the right number and picking the right side, uh, or not just picking the right side. It's picking the right number. So you need to have yes. access to multiple books, Ron, because. I remember when I first started, you know, I was young. I had one book. I loved that one book. I had it bookmarked. You know, I had it in my phone. It was easy to put in a bet or take out a bet. But I learned very quickly that, you know, there are different sports books. They have different numbers. And as a result, you want to be able to place your bet at the book that gives you the best number overall. So, you know, for example, you know, when we're talking about the NFL draft, you can look at position totals, odds. Um, on teams taking a, a specific player or um, exact outcome odds, first player to be drafted at their position, head-to-head matchups. Uh, will they be a first-round pick? Just limitless opportunities overall. But you may see situations. I remember with Tua Tua Tagovailoa uh, coming out of Alabama. You know, he got hurt, and there was a big discrepancy of where he would get drafted. So, right. You know, one book had Tua's over/under at you know two and a half, one book had three and a half. You know, one book had two and a half at you know, uh, juicing up the over one had, you know, three and a half juicing up the over as well. You know, you had different numbers overall. So why is that important? It's because if you have identified an edge, you know, that could be the difference between a win or a loss betting it at one book versus another. So paying a better juice, getting a better number on a position, that's really, really critically important. Um, and that's what's really gonna, you know, kind of turn, turn losses into wins, pushes into wins. So make sure you take the time when you first get started, open up your multiple accounts, set up your sports books, you know, get your Live Odds page set up with all the books you have an account at on your page because shopping for the best line will really take you from a, you know, beginning better to a more, you know, advanced and sharper better the long term.
2: And talk to me a little bit, Josh, about deductive reasoning and how you do apply that in your shopping.
3: Yeah, I think this is important too because, you know, there are situations like, I'll give you another example, uh, talking about the NFL draft, you know, You had a head-to-head DeAndre Swift and uh, Jamal uh, Taylor out of Wisconsin. You know, who would be drafted?
2: Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Jonathan
3: Taylor, Taylor, yeah. Uh, Who would be Mm -hmm. drafted head-to-head? You know, Swift was a, it was kind of like a 50-50 bet, and Swift was, I think, like minus 120, and Taylor's plus 120. But if you look at their over-under draft position, Swift was like 28-and-a-half, and and Taylor was like 37-and-a-half. So in terms of deductive reasoning, you can kind of play one prop off another, So, yes, you know, if I see that Swift is only a slight, 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 almost 50-50 uh, favorite, but yet he's expected to be drafted 10 positions higher than Taylor, what does that mean? Boom, I'm liking that minus 120 uh, to take Taylor, that head-to-head to be drafted first overall. So, that's another thing. Play props off each other. Look at one prop, see what another is, and you can kind of, again, read the tea leaves, u- use your deductive reasoning to gain insight and hopefully make a smart play.
2: I'm going to ask you this, too. In fact, we we hadn't discussed talking about this part, but I want to run this by you. And that would be the correlated parlay theory, and not necessarily as a parlay play, but maybe you just make separate bets. Going back to the example within game props, if you think that a team or a quarterback is going to pass for higher than the yardage that's been set for him, do you then also think that the game may go over because... If you think he's going to pass for a lot of yards, you think maybe they're going to score a lot of points, and that ties in. Do you then make a correlated play either as a parlay or separate bets, or do you hedge one off the other?
3: I think it's a great question. I think, you know, it would depend on so in theory you would want to, you know, correlate parlay if if you can uh, see an advantage where kind of two bets line up in the same direction. In terms of hedging, you know, I think it depends on the number you got and if you're getting plus money Uh, and you can guarantee yourself a profit. I think that's really important. But another thing with prop betting is, like, when you're looking at uh, over-under touchdowns, over-under passing yardage, look at the total for the full-game odds because, you know, leaning on a lot of games with high totals is very important because if the odds makers are expecting more points to be scored, then how do you score those points? Typically with more offensive play. So, you know, if Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson both have an over-under passing yards of maybe 300, But yet the total in that Packers game is 48 and the total in the the Seahawks game is maybe 40. Boom, I'm going to lean more to a lot of these offensive props in games with high totals. So I think um, that's really important as well. Uh, And then, Ron, did you also know that not only for individual games can you bet a lot of uh, player prop bets, but also season long prop bets? Oh, absolutely. You ever take a shot there?
2: have on baseball. I've done that with baseball. We mentioned the home runs and the, and the wins and things like that. I've done that. Uh, but as far as I'm generally not a big prop bet player, I, I tend to do it maybe a little bit more at Super Bowl time. And sometimes I'll do so that in a circumstance where I'm going to then in game, just on the sides and the total, maybe hedge play against it in that sort of a way. Uh, sometimes I get myself chasing my own tail after a while, but generally, no, I, I mean, other than some very traditional conservative plays, I don't tend to jump into those. I kind of lean with you on that
3: one, Ron, because, you know, number one, you got to remember that, you know, a lot of these season long prop bets, you got to bet during the off season, you know, before the season starts. And they're starts. holding your money a
2: long time. That's the <laughs> other thing.
3: Exactly. They're kind of like a futures bet. So number one, you have to know that. Uh, okay, I have the patience to remember that these bets are not gonna cash, win or lose, you know, for months and months on end. So, number one, you got to be patient, you got to be disciplined, but also you got to have liquidity in your bankroll because if mm-hmm. you spend all your money, you know, off season, the off season it's kind of tough because you're so excited for the next, you know, season to begin, and you can kind of, you know, just get so excited that you just um, you can't help but bet all these all these bets beforehand, but. Uh, you can get in trouble because if you bet too many of them and you tie up your bankroll, then really you've hurt yourself because you don't have enough liquidity and money to bet just regular individual games once the season begins throughout the season. So uh, that's another big part of it, Ron. Um, and also just one thing I will say with baseball, a uh, big fan of betting a lot of uh, pitcher over under K props. I think there's some value there, especially if you can get situations where you can arbitrage, where you know one book may have... Um, whoever it may be, Garrett Cole, you know, over-under 7.5 strikeouts at plus 103, and the under 7.5 is plus 102, plus 105. You can right. you can see situations like that as well where you can guarantee yourself a profit, um, and I think that's something to take into account. You've seen that in NFL drafts as well as player props throughout the season.
2: One of the things I look at is doing things on an individual game basis along those lines, more so than season long particularly if you're not getting good plus odds in the case of a prop bet. I don't like playing season win totals. I know that's a separate show and a separate topic. But a large reason I don't do so is I'll put dollars in, let's say, in March, and I don't see any kind of possible recovery of that until October. The value of the dollar is going to go down in that time. So you're not just betting – into the vig and the minus money that might be going along with that on an over under but you're also betting against inflation so you need a little bit more oomph a little bit more bang for your buck coming into that that i'm willing to go ahead and jump into so i know i've thrown water on something that's very popular but that's part of how i think no i
3: think that's important and i think our goal you know as always with this podcast ron is just to be honest with the listeners and the viewers and uh everyone who uh, who tunes into Beeson. you know we we like to let you know that okay, parlays are very, very fun and just you know a really popular bet, but there are detriments to it. They're a big house advantage. Mm-hmm. Same thing with prop bets. Prop bets are super, super uh, popular every single year and get bigger and bigger, but there are detriments to it as well. So I think just you know as listeners knowing that you know we're gonna shoot it straight with you and let you know the pros and cons. And in the end, remember you're the final arbiter of your bankroll. You place what you believe is the smartest bet you can make. But just knowing that. Prop bets are great. To me, they're a supplementary bet. Um, I do know guys who bet a lot of props and just that's their thing and they do well at it, which, you know, all the power to you. But overall, just, you know, kind of just as you're not going to make every bet a parlay bet, don't make every bet you make a prop bet as well. And I think you'll be okay long term.
2: And just if you had the prop bet about Boston mentions uh, (laughs) at the top of the show, I think you came in at one. (laughs) I think you came in at one. Very, very, very stacked deck i think you really were were actually influenced by the fact that this prop bet was hanging over your head apple
3: exactly there was a lot of late steam coming in on that under i tell you what once i got called out see if you never mentioned it ron if, if you tweeted it and i didn't know the the number then i would have flown way over but uh yeah that, that's okay next time we'll, we'll uh we'll have way too many boston references i'll talk the departed i'll talk the town it'll it'll be great goodwill hunting we'll do it all
2: don't think about pink elephants. See? Now, look what I've done to you. All right, he's Josh Applebaum. I'm Ron Flatter. More props ahead for you, betting or otherwise. And here's a prop. Why not tune in again for another episode of the Everything Guide to Sports Betting, podcast from the